Welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Today is Wednesday, April 5th, and we are broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia Vancouver campus from unceded and stolen Musqueam territory. Um, I'm Serena, and I'm here in the studio with Ava and Jeff. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. So Jeff is a godsend today. He just got called in. He's the best. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) We appreciate him so much. And Ava's here. She recently went to an art fair. She enjoyed it. Yeah, um, there was just like a student art fair in the nest and just lots of like little booths, all kinds of different kinds of crafts. I wasn't really expecting. It was just I ran into it and, you know, picked up a couple of things. Amazing. Did you get anything good? Um, I got some necklaces, you know, some nice handmade jewelry. I'm a sucker for supporting small businesses. <laughs> for you sure. know, it's, a, it's a way to justify it in this economy. Ethical consumption under capitalism. It's a small business. <laughs> was the fair up at the nest where there's like tables and I th- yeah, think I saw yeah, this grandma. Yeah, there was the lower yeah. atrium and then a little bit upstairs. Yeah. Like it was just earlier this week. I can't remember what day, but. I think yeah. it went on for a while. It might have been a yeah. couple of days. Amazing. Um, So today we do have two pre-recorded segments. So we have Steve's review of Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream review. Um, And then we have Lua's interview with Kat Single Dane, creator of Disco Inferno. All right, so we're going to get that review going. So it's Steve's review of Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream. Greetings, it's Steve Horvat, and today I'm going to talk about a play I went to see at the historical cult called Paradise, or The Impermanence of Ice Cream. This play runs from March 23rd to April 2nd, all the way from New Zealand. The production company is called India Inc., and this is a story that was written by Jacob Rajan and Justin Lewis, inspired by a novel that is a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel called The Denial of Death, and that's by Ernest Becker. The main character is an Indian man named Kurisa, and that's played by Jacob Rajan, who does a very impressive solo performance, developing seven characters throughout the play. And uh, he's talking about the impermanence of life, the impermanence of love, and the impermanence of ice cream. You know, a little bit of a metaphor there. Yeah, that metaphor is explained in detail in this play. And there's another character, actually, but it's a puppet, and it is a vulture who comes and goes and is a very significant part of the story. Well, I'll tell you a little bit, but I don't want to give too much away. In India, there's the Tower of Silence, which is a place that uh, the dead are put and they're consumed by vultures. And apparently, like, he actually gives a lot of details about this. He talks about um, it takes three hours for vultures to consume a human body. But what happened in the 90s is that the bodies were no longer being consumed and the vultures had vanished. The population of vultures was being decimated by the use of antibiotics uh, for the cows, which in India, the culture, they do not eat the cows. And so the vultures were consuming these dead cows and they couldn't process the Voltaren that was in the antibiotic. 
and because of this, 99.9% of the vulture population perished. It was a tragic mass extinction, so I shouldn't really get into too much detail because the play explains it really well, um, talking about how important the vultures are and the belief that they take the body to the afterlife. They consume the flesh from the Tower of Silence and rise into the sky, and if they're not there, then there's questions of what's going to happen with the body in the afterlife. Thoughts of religious faith and uh, everlasting paradise as we pass on to the other side. So yeah, we're dealing with the impact that humans have on this planet. Big sigh there. I'd like to talk a little bit about the seven characters that are developed within the 80-minute play. Um, you know, the journey into the seven characters that... Uh, Jacob plays. So with the tragedy comes comedy. Although there's some serious issues, overall it's a very whimsical performance. Uh, the opening scene is is uh, Kurisa and he's lying there and a vulture comes in and lands on him and starts pecking at him and he kind of comes out of this state he's in and he doesn't know if he's dreaming or if he's dead and and that's how the story begins so with that we are taken with some flashbacks into the past and the characters develop and it talks about all of these different elements of the human condition and really one of the questions that it poses is what are we doing with our time on this earth each character has a very important reason uh, for being in this play, one of them is obsessed with money. It's very purposeful why each character is in this play, um, signifying different aspects of human nature. Another character that the play develops is the character of this grandfather, who starts an ice cream shop, and the reason that he does this is to keep his granddaughter close by to kind of take care of him. So it kind of kept her caged, and it was done for selfish reasons. And each one of the characters that are developed has a different story to tell like that. There's a lot of comedy in this, and a lot of underlying issues that are developed with these different characters. So it's a very fun and spirited aspect of the play to watch Jacob shift back and forth from the different personas that he's creating. There's actually a lot of very profound moments in this play. It's whimsical, it's dramatic, and I recommend it. So the name of the play again is Paradise, or The Impermanence of Ice Cream. Playing until March 2nd at the Heritage Cults, which is 1895 Venables. And I'm going to sign off now. Enjoy, and take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Amazing. So that was Steve and his review of Paradise, or The Impermanence of Ice Cream, once again. Um... Yeah, so you're in the studio right now with Serena, Ava, and Jeff. We are coming to you today. Lovely, lovely day. Um, recently, me and Ava went to a show at Green Auto. I think that's the most arts and culture thing I've gotten up to recently. And we did it together, which And we nice. did it together, yeah. besties. Um, so yeah, we went to Green Auto. We saw... We were there for our friends, friends band, <laughs> grade school. What was it friends, friends, boyfriend, yeah. lead singer, <laughs> acquaintance, wow. something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we were just talking about how we kind of love Green Auto as a venue, especially compared to some of the other venues in Vancouver. Jeff, have you been to any of them? I have been to Redgate. How do you feel about Redgate? I like Redgate, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been there for Shindig. 
Okay. Have you yeah. guys have yeah, you guys yeah. been to some bands at yeah. Shindig? I went to Shindig too. I, I didn't. What's a uh, so what's Shindig? Shindig is uh like it's a, an event that CITR does. It's oh, it's yeah. like a battle of bands where sixteen bands play with, against each other, and then there's like a winner, and that's like one of the main events that we do at CITR. Um, so you should come this year. It's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Amazing. I agree. I really like Shindig. I I don't know. I really like that CITR like. I don't know. We're here in the station. We're talking about things, but like CATR also does a really good job of like putting on events. You know what I mean? Like it's not just promoting other people's events. Like with Hideout that Ruby and uh, Brian put on yeah, and everything yeah. like that. It's really like, nice yeah. that it's coming back this year, and I feel like everyone's really enjoying the, like the the rebuilding that's sort of coming after COVID. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, Jeff has a fun fact lined up for us today. All right. Um, I have so many, but I think <laughs> this one is. A pretty relevant one. Is it the funnest fact? Um, it's not really. Oh, honestly, it's not really fun. It's kind of (laughs) devastating. Oh no! (laughs) Devastating fact coming to you live. Brace yourselves. Supermarket apples can be a year old. That's actually awful. Wow. Do you guys? So you guys live in dorms, right? Yeah. So (laughs) do you guys? I don't know why. I I don't know why I asked. Sorry. Uh, But anyways, so do you guys go to like? (laughs) Do you guys go into like stores and buy fruits and vegetables? Oh yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, you gotta. They can be a year old. I'm sure the dining hall food (laughs) is much older than a year old. Maybe I shouldn't say that. That's why everyone's talking about you know the coatings that they put on apples. It's because like wow, it's formaldehyde actually to last for a whole year. Yeah. That's I mean, wait, the code does not make any sense because then does like after a while, do they go back to the apples and scan every single apple's code and then see like, oh, this has been four months, throw it away. Oh, true. Right. Actually, so it's like, yeah. what's the point of the. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole issue is not the code or any coding that's put on it, but more just the fact that there's they're there for a year. I guess like, if they survive a year, awful. then. Yeah. I mean, if you ever have a really grainy apple. I mean, if it's shocking it's enough fun. we didn't know, then maybe some things are best, you know, <laughs> sort of <laughs> That's left true, unturned. yeah, let's not, let's not. Um, but enough about apples. We're going to get into another segment for you today. So we have Lua's interview with Kat Singledane, who is the creator of Disco Inferno. So that's going to come up to you right now in a second here. <laughs> This is Lua, and I'm here with Kat Singleton, the writer, director, choreographer, and producer of Disco Inferno, the world's only interactive disco musical that we know of. This show is going to go on on April 7th, 8th, 9th, 14th, and 15th, and is produced by the nonprofit society, the Dusty Flower Pot Cabaret, and it's half actual discotheque set in 1979 with, you know, us as the guest and half musical comedy and i will let kat give us a little bit description of what people should expect from the show hi kat hi thank you um so what to expect from the show it's a full-on musical so you can expect to see amazing dancers and singers in the cast um you can expect comedy because it is a musical comedy so uh, the storyline, the uh, songs written by Shirley Nome, who was actually nominated for a Juno in the Best Comedy Album of the Year Award, um, has written all the songs. And uh, the actors are a lot of them imp- improvisation or clown trained. So you'll the characters are all 
comedians, basically. And um, so you can expect those two things. You can also expect to be able to dance at a discotheque if you want to, and you do not have to. So that's something that I know some people are always hesitant about interactive um, shows because they feel like they might be forced into something, but that's definitely not, not the case in our shows. We always have the option of just sitting and enjoying a great piece of theater. Uh, but also if you like to dance, it's going to be an awesome time and you'll have lots of opportunity for that. <laughs> that's great to hear. I love dancing. I love disco. I'm very excited for the show. Uh, and so, yeah, let's get into it. So you did mention that um, there will be songs that were written for this show. I was curious, are there, is the show containing all new songs, but, or are we going to hear some of the 70s and 80s disco classics? Yes, we are going to hear both. So there's six original songs um, that Shirley Gnome has written. And then we also use, you know, Disco Inferno original um, as a cover tune and all kinds of other disco classics. So you're going to hear the ones that you know and love already, as well as um, some originals too. That's awesome. And are we following a single story that is constructed throughout the show, or is this more like multiple scenes that might or might not be connected? Yeah, in this case, it is, uh, we're following one central story. Uh, you might pick up on various bits of information that add to this story throughout the show because potentially you have an interaction with a character um, that somebody else in the audience doesn't have, right? So there might be a kind of different perspectives on the show that you get each night, but uh, the whole show follows one storyline. Oh, interesting. So is it in a way that is like one storyline, but it's almost deconstructed where different audience members might be experiencing different parts of the story? Exactly. Um, they might just, it, it's made to be like a discotheque um, in which something occurs on one particular night. So it's as if you've just walked into this disco, which is called Disco Inferno. Um, and the you happen to be there on the night that the co-owners go through uh, a, a big challenge. That sounds really interesting. Uh, Kat, you have a lot of other projects going on as well, but how did the idea for this particular performance come about? How did this one come about? Was yeah. The question? Yeah. The inspiration yeah, for it. So the inspiration. Um, well, I seem to have a pattern going on because the first musical comedy that I wrote was set in 1933 in a dance marathon. It was called Hard Times Hit Parade. And um, the next one that I wrote was called um, The Scarlet Queen of Mercy, which was set in the 50s on a film set. And then the this one is set in the 70s. So I seem to just be skipping 20 years every, every time I write a <laughs> musical. Um, and... Uh, the inspiration has just come from loving dancing. Honestly, I love, I just love dancing. And the fact that disco is so dance central, you know, it just, the music is made to, um, you know, force you to dance. Basically the, the beat does that for you. So I like that aspect of it. And then also the fact that disco in the seventies was a real 
um, place where people could find ground. And it was a unifier of community and people. And it was a place where everyone was accepted within the disco community. And so um, I just felt that it was important. And so did Shirley as well in our conversations that um, we focus on on unifying people right now um, in this time during the pandemic when um, people were becoming quite disconnected for lots of various reasons. Um, and so we, I, I was thinking this is just a perfect setting, for the kind of vibe that I'd like to create and see more of in the world. That sounds, that's a really great uh, inspiration for it. And I just wanted to touch a little bit more on what you mentioned being like disco is kind of this unifier and the disco movement as a whole, honestly, just like the vibes. And I was curious about um, the approach to creating that disco atmosphere during the show, whether it be by the setting or costuming or the performance in general. Could you talk a little bit more about creating that atmosphere? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we have a large cast for one thing. There's 21 people, um, and it's a very diverse cast. Uh, cast in terms of like all experiences in life, life experience, but also where people are coming from, different cultures, um, different sexual preferences. You know, so the cast reflects the um, the acceptance of the time and the acceptance that that we want to see moving forward right and um then in addition not everyone is going to have necessarily the same style uh people can choose so many different ways of expressing themselves in this um discotheque right so uh we also have a pop-up shop right when you enter and a lot of costuming is actually going to be available by donation basically free uh, so that people can really get into the feel of the discotheque themselves. Um, yeah, so we're we're creating this kind of environment where you are surrounded entirely, even to the point of dressing yourself like you're in the 70s discotheque. That sounds super cool. And you also mentioned that on April 5th, I believe, there's going to be a workshop going on. Yeah, on the 5th, we've already done three of these workshops, but anyone can arrive and learn everything in one hour. Um, so I teach seven dances in one hour. And um, because they're very simple, I've created them specifically so that people can actually pick up on them, even if they didn't come to any workshops. Uh, and so they're things like the YMCA and Jungle Boogie and like classics. Um and so people can come to our studio, the Dusty Flower Pot Cabaret, and learn seven dances in one hour and get a great workout and just have a good time. Uh, they also have the opportunity to get uh, uh, portraits taken by Danielle Diamond, who is, um, has been generously offering that for us throughout this month. That's really cool. And wh where can people find more information about that? Um, on our website, it's it's on there, dustyflowerpotcabaret.com, which is also where you'll find information on the other regular programs that we run. We have a live band swing dance every single Tuesday, which is a speakeasy feel. People do not have to know how to swing dance. You can come and enjoy an amazing live band that's led by Joe Abbott, um, a local 
incredible musician. Um, and you can also take a swing series from us. The next one starts April 25th. We also have another musical comedy that's in May. It's called Call Me Cece. And that's a musical comedy about climate change. And then we also run Speed Dating mixed with comedy. The next one is May 30th. So all that's on our website. That all sounds super exciting and super fun. I will definitely check all that out. And before we end this interview, I wanted to end it with a message from you to people that might be introverts, might be a little shy, might be unsure or on the fence about coming and interacting with this musical. So what would you say to these people that might not be sure if they want to come? I would say that this is such a unique musical theater experience in Vancouver that I feel like anyone who doesn't come and was on the fence about it is going to regret it when they hear about it and how fun it was. And that if one is an introvert, there is no need to get involved in any way in the show. And you can absolutely um, come in and sit in a corner and no one will bother you <laughs> <laughs> well thank but you you'll so have a great time <laughs> awesome thank you so much for your time i just want to remind everyone the disco inferno the world's only interactive disco musical is happening on april 7th 8th 9th 14th and 15th uh, are there any potentially upcoming dates or is that it um we are considering opening up the 13th which is the thursday night because sales are going quickly, especially for the 14th and 15th. It's almost sold out already. So, and we anticipate a lot of door sales. So keep an eye out for the 13th because that's very likely to open up. Awesome. And you can find all that information and tickets and everything else on the Dusty, Pla Dusty Flower Pot uh, website, which is... Um... Oh my God, I just blanked. I'm so sorry. Desi Flower Desi Pot Flower Yeah, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much, Kat, for your time. Uh, and have Thank a lovely you so day. You too. Hello. Welcome back. So that was Lua's interview with Kat Single Dane, who created uh, Disco Inferno. Thank you so much, Lua. Thank you so much, Kat. So you're in the studio with Jeff, Ava, and myself, Serena. Um, and Ava was just telling me about how much she loves Jersey Shore. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really having a moment with it. I'm not going to lie to you. I started watching it at the beginning of the semester, and I just started season six today, I think. Um, so and it's definitely been a big part of my life How many seasons is there? Just six. Oh, so this is <laughs> oh you're done. You're, well, you yeah, so I mean, you finished the, Jersey Shore. The, sequel or whatever the family vacation but uh the, the original show you know it's only the wow. same is it on netflix nope it's on crave um did you oh. pay money for crave no to my dad Jersey just show? he got it with his bell subscription you know oh, i'm huh, just leeching yeah. hmm. i think a recent show i watched is called suits have you oh, ever yeah. Seen? oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah i sure. i it's my third time re-watching it All that's it. how wow. good it is yeah there's nine seasons um and it was so good. I'm just rewatching. I watched it. until Meghan Markle left, and then it got kind of weird. What? Really? Yeah. The last. What is that? Like three seasons I missed. All then? I know is that Meghan Markle was in. Suits. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I. I feel like everyone thinks. I like, saw that. Oh, yeah. Like when I was. Yeah, when I was like a kid, like before she was like, I don't know, a princess. 
Yeah, and it's she so weird to think that. I have no idea. Yeah, I Maybe know. a duchess. I, I think that they lost She's their a titles oh, when yeah. they left the family. But uh, yeah. I don't Anyways, know too much. yeah. <laughs> but like, it's so like she's like I don't know. She's not someone I would have thought would become like a duchess. Like, no hate to her. She's super cool. But I'm just like, it's so weird that she was this like B-list celebrity that's like now like so so famous. Yeah. Like Suits is not that famous. I don't know. I don't think it. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's that that famous. Um, <laughs> I also uh, I can't get myself to finish you. Okay. With Penn Badgley, oh, have yeah. you guys seen I've it? I've definitely seen it, but I have not watched the new season because I'm not gonna lie. I really, I was so disappointed that they, like what the what they did with the storyline with just love. Trying to prevent and, like, a spoiler there. I don't really. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm kind of dabbling in tough territory here. Yeah. You know, I just wish they went in a very different direction, and I just don't want to watch another season of what I feel with like Penn Badgley's character. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. Do you guys remember <laughs> <laughs> some judgment? Okay, for do you do you know the yeah, like yeah, the basic yeah. plot of you? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> the thing is, I I was rooting for Joe Goldberg until uh, he betrayed love. Yeah, that's when I was like, okay, he has the problem because mm-hmm. I always thought that he, that that point that's when is I when said, is when wow. I thought he had, okay, that's pretty on. far so, into it to well, think that that's, that's when I lost issue. hope with the Here writers is because I was like, they had su- done such a amazing thing bringing in her character like i thought that that was such you're a really good you're really getting job. at the you fundamental I mean? issue like, i like this. i, I no, feel like the writers yeah they just I didn't to- let the show progress like, i totally agree i feel like bringing in love was good mm-hmm. but the thing is for me is okay yeah the murder part okay yeah i know but it's it's a show so i was like okay i'll i'll let it yeah, slide yeah. <laughs> i'll let it slide so but that just allow a little murder. murder yeah i'll be like a couple murders okay whatever <laughs> um but i always thought that the lack of love and oh, and um, metaphor how yeah, and how he, <laughs> how no one kind of fully loved him was the problem, but then love mm. did, and he still, you know, moved yeah. on to yeah. another girl. And then girl. now there's a lack and of love. It just felt so regressive, like everything they did with that storyline. They're like, we're just gonna like completely just cut off all these loose ties, change location, just like spiff spaff. Like that was a two season segment, and did now we're just gonna like move a, on. Did yeah. they do a time jump too? Uh, I Probably. wouldn't even know because I gave up. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, and honestly, the the last season, the newest season, it takes place. Uh, I think it's in a, like it's not. Uh, where were they in? Like New York? Were they? No, in? I thought he started in no, New York. He was in New York and then, and then he went to LA. like LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, LA. He hated. They're now like, <laughs> like in a different because <laughs> yeah. you know he went to. Is go he in fu- Europe or something? He yeah. was in Paris, okay. and then he moved somewhere else. And I don't really like their new location and like the I like the, the way they dress. Of it, or? Yeah. I like the way they dress. It's just not So, you. like, visually, you dislike the show. Yeah, is that what some, it is? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's it's, I just can't seem to, to get mash into it. in both of, like, the new season and, like, the previous ones together. Yeah. Do you guys um, remember when they were, like, filming that show on campus with... I'm sorry, I don't know his real name. With, like, Saul Goodman. I, I do. What's oh his my, real name? Wait, Saul Goodman. Wait, I've heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I know no, who we're like, talking about. I just don't what's know his, his real uh, name, yeah. to be honest. Because my I'm friend saw him on campus. Yeah, yeah, I saw him like, too. And I, you, you mean, saw wait, him? the yeah. guy from Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He filmed something on campus? Yeah, what like, is it? Good but boys, like three months ago. Was it like three months ago? Are you serious? Yeah. October, November, yeah, semester yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. It was like a big moment. UBC's it was like a big really UBC moment. used in a lot of those kinds of scenes. And UBC was used in She's the Man, too. Have you yeah, seen that movie? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah, crazy. Of course. We're pretty famous. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, honestly. What was the Ryan Reynolds movie? Uh, I don't the, know. the one with the kid? That, oh. It was a recent one. Well, 
relatively recent. Um, um, that was also shot at UBC. Really? I think it was near the Chem Building. Mm. So how long ago was that? Like film? Um, Ryan, hold We're on, just Ryan. Met Ned all the time. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. Because I would see movies and I'm like, wait, why does that door look so familiar? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it came out in that movie. It's called The Adam Project. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think I've heard of it. I haven't I'm seen not super it. It's familiar, no. It came out 2022, so it's very recent. Oh, yeah, yeah. really recent. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I guess like Vancouver has a lot of like filming and film oh, production, absolutely. but like it's crazy that UBC specifically also has so much. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like in my mind, I think like, yeah, like downtown Vancouver, like in the endowment lands, like for sure, but like just to like be walking on Main Mall and be like, that's Saul Goodman. Yeah. Like that's such a different reaction i don't know there was definitely like some some red tape for sure it was definitely mm-hmm. more of a like oh my god i'm behind the lines like but uh yeah. you know it was definitely I, I had still to like get a starstruck class moment, and like know? had to like literally walk through this scene i was like mm-hmm. guys i'm so famous like oh my gosh have Just you guys like, ever seen celebrities before in person i'm gonna actually say yeah. one anecdote yeah. you go please well, I'm excited. what i always think about with vancouver is the like la flight to vancouver you know like True. that up the west coast and um, I was in Las Vegas with my mom, and I had a connection in L.A., and then I flew back. And then uh, Lily Reinhardt from the Netflix show um, Say Riverdale <laughs> was on my flight home. Did you talk to her? I, I mean, I said hi, but I didn't want to disturb her day. Did this just happen? Is this, like, when you just yeah, went like to Las Vegas? Yeah, like, two months ago. Oh her? Yeah. yeah. Wow. She was in, like, Hustlers, like, you know. What's that? It's oh, a, I didn't oh, see that movie. It's a movie. It had, like, I didn't Jennifer see Lopez, that movie. Like, Cardi B, like, <laughs> nice. It was a really famous movie. Good for her. Yeah, she's doing really well. Up and coming. I mean, it wasn't like I had like a huge bonding moment, but it was definitely like a. Did you say hi? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, you know, the guy from Sharknado, the main guy. I don't know his name. I think I'm his name is Ian. Something. What a transition. Yeah. So no, I, I I went surfing with his daughter. Oh wow! And like I know, like we yeah, Ian Zeering. That's his name. Yeah, I like hung out with him for a day. Went surfing with his daughter. Really? Which was, yeah, interesting. I mean, it was part of like a little class thing, but it was in Santa Monica. And I was like, he like came over and introduced himself to us, and he was like, "Hey," and we we're like, "Oh, like nice to meet you." And he's like, "Yeah." I'm I'm in Sharknado. Like you might recognize me from those movies, and we're like, this is crazy. And then same trip in Santa Monica, um, I saw Bruce Willis just walking wow. down the street, but I never talked to you him or anything. But I was like, is that guy freaking Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis? And it was. He didn't oh, go surfing. I would have said hi. Yeah, he That's... was like he he. It was actually super funny. I was, to, like, do a I was with my jog. brother. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to like <laughs> fall like, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I was with my little brother, who, he was, like, 10 at the time, and he was, like, scootering, and he was doing some scooter tricks, and Bruce Willis, like, stopped to watch my brother nice. do, like, a scooter ollie. Just Yeah. Oh, okay, Pulled good. it off. I was going to say. But, uh, yeah, so that's wow. my very small part to play in Bruce Willis's life. Wow. That's nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to play some ads now for a second, so thank you for listening to our celebrity Jersey Shore talk, though. On May 27th, Vancouver's Plasteroid returns to the H.R. Macmillan Space Center with the second installment of their successful planetarium show, featuring live, chilled-out, ambient music set to a journey through our solar system. 
Don't miss this rare opportunity to see one of Vancouver's most cosmic bands performing live amongst the stars. The band is offering two seatings for this immersive event at 7 p.m. and 8.45 p.m. Both shows are all ages and seating is limited, so please visit eventbrite.ca and search for An Evening with Plasteroid to reserve your tickets now. Feeling lost in the lonely, meaningless cyberweb? Looking to connect with other users? Then plug in to a CITR collective. Meet users who are compatible with your interests and passions. CITR's mainframe offers nine unique collectives. News, arts, accessibility, sports, persons of color, indigenous, gender empowerment, LGBTQ2SIA+, and music affairs. CITR collectives are where you can make great radio, great friends, and avoid the abject loneliness of life in the cyber void. Second show added. MRG Live presents Haley Hendricks at the Biltmore Cabaret on April 19th. Haley Hendricks is a rising star in the indie folk scene. Her unique voice and intricate guitar playing will leave you spellbound. Don't miss the chance to see Haley Hendricks perform live at the Biltmore Cabaret. Tickets available at admitone.com. metal for over 30 years on CITR. Tune in every Saturday from 1 to 3. Hello and welcome back to the Arts Report today from CITR 101.9. We are going to be signing off here in a minute, but uh, you've been in the studio today with Jeff, Ava, and Serena. You've heard two reviews, one of which was done by Lua. It was an interview with Kat Singledane, and the other one was Steve's review of Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream. So, yeah, we're, before we go, I think Jeff's going to hit us with a fun fact. All right. Uh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, the first fun fact was a supermarket one. So let's end it off with something that's irrelevant to us <laughs> and do an animal one. Amazing. All right, here we go. I guess I'll do two because they're yeah. lined up. Yeah. Why not? All right, yeah. number one. Kangaroos keep growing until they die. That's wow. Yeah. So do I personally. <laughs> oh, oh, I think there's a human fact on this one. Like some part of our body grows like continuously. I think it's your nose. Is it? Is it your nose? Yeah, really? it's your nose and your ears. 
Huh. Oh, that's you why know old what? people that's, have big yeah, noses yeah. and ears, and your eyeballs yeah. stay the same size from when you're born. Yeah, that's why babies have the same like crazy. babies have like giant eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's all makes sense. Yeah, true. Yeah, ears. I now I know why because I'm like, why do grandpas and grandmas have like such yeah big wide ears just to hear you ironically yeah their face just gets bigger. really small actually yeah. the ears stay the same Your skull actually magically shrinks with age all right second one a snail can sleep for three years wow that is insane you that's only about, like, like bear hibernation like a, well bears like, sleep for like a season I think, or yeah, d- I don't even not think even asleep. a season, right? I think right? they're just, like, under the ground. Three years? That's like... only, like, two years less than I can sleep for. So that's, like, really <laughs> yeah, impressive. I, what's the longest like, time you guys slept before? Like, just straight. 36 hours. Wow. 30? Are you serious? Wow. 30 wow. That is insane. That's even a more of a fun fact than what I just said. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's, I'm Wait, more impressed. I'm more show, impressed actually. about the 36-hour uh, streak yeah. of sleeping. So, I, uh, explain. I had been up for like two and a half days, and then yeah. I slept for 36 hours. I think I was up for like two hours, maybe like 18 hours in. I wow. like went up, you know, like went to the bathrooms, and then just went back to sleep, and then kept on going i kind of see it as one long segment you know? wow but um why that's insane i, n- I How? stayed up for two and a half days and, and then I, I, my body was like you know we're gonna get that sleep back you know that sleep debt and that's awesome yeah so in one week you know i kind of s- it's sort of evened out i'm afraid of you now <laughs> i don't even know if how can you st- i have never stayed up a full day before Oh, I've, I've, I've definitely yeah. done a couple of times. Not as yeah. much anymore. It was definitely more of like an early high school, like burnt out of that pretty fast. But Stayed um, up for 32 hours one time. Wow. Wow, yeah. you guys are impressive. I can't that's worse. It sucked. Yeah. It wasn't good. Was wait, wait, what do you... Story no, 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 because yours was two days, which is 48 hours. Oh, actually, Hers is 36. Yeah, so you're more impressive. You're more bad, impressive. guys. <laughs> I just can't do math. I'm afraid of you up. fully. Wow, yeah. <laughs> The lack of sleep. You're like, oh, 32, <laughs> the numbers, they're blurring. <laughs> they're turning into letters. I'm seeing things. <laughs> Honestly. Um, yeah. Okay. So on that note, I think that we're going to end it. But thank you so much for... Hearing all of the things we had to say today. Thank you for listening to the review and the interview. And we will see you again soon with the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Bye-bye and have a nice day. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Can you hear that? The SOS to the world from the people of Ukraine. And you've never wanted to help more, yet you've never felt more helpless. Here's what you can do. Give to the Ukraine Humanitarian Crisis Appeal. The Red Cross is on the ground to make